the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As it is now that we enter into the third Sunday of Subara, we're entering into, you know, again, the Christmas season. We're preparing more and more for the birth of our Savior. Today we hear the story of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who now have a son, right? This joy that overcomes them. That they now have the son, even though they're advanced in age, even though here it is, all the possibilities, all the odds are against them, and yet God still provides gifts, God still provides blessings for them. But when we look deeper into the story, we see the death of an old world, and we see the creation of a new world that happens when it is that John the Baptist is born. Let's take a step back. Yeah? First and foremost, when it is that, that this child is born, when it is that Elizabeth is, is said to be giving birth, here is the village that gathers around the house, right? And so there was this old kind of way of looking at it. If you look at kind of like, historically speaking, whenever it was, in, uh, especially in the, uh, the Middle East, whenever it was that a woman was in labor, the entire village would gather. And as it is that they would gather, there would be musicians, people would wait anxiously outside the door to hear whether or not this was a boy or a girl, and they just want to know the gender of it, right? And so when it is that the child was born, if it was a boy, everyone would applaud. Everyone would sing, everyone would dance, the musicians would play. There would be great cheering throughout the entire, entire village. If it was a girl, they would just kind of bow their heads and just go home kind of... Uh, it's okay, next time, next time we'll try again, right? Kind of a thing, right? <laughs> and so here is kind of this, this great kind of anticipation. And so here it is that a boy is born. Not only is Elizabeth and, and Zechariah, not only do Elizabeth and Zechariah kind of have this, again, this advanced age and years, they're too old to really have kids, and now here it is, they finally have a child. Not only do they have a child, but it's a double joy. It's a boy. And as it is a double joy, as it is a boy, here it is, now the entire town has been talking about it. It's been eight days, eight days later, usually when it is that a boy is born, on the day of their circumcision is when they would be given a name. Now for a girl, any time throughout the 30 days, they could be given a name, and that would be kind of it, it would be kind of quiet, right? But anyways, before a boy, on the eighth day, the circumcision would happen, and the naming of the child would be revealed. As it is that the naming of the child is revealed, there's a great surprise. They think this is going to be an ordinary child. They think already, you know, here it is in the name. It should take his father's name. Here it is, this great joy of his father. Is going to, the child is going to be named Zechariah. Not so. Not so. This child is going to bring in something new. This child is going to bring in a new beginning. This child marks the end of something old and into something new. Just in the physical, right? Just in our everyday life, every child will bring in, will bring an end to the old, to a parent. It brings in... Here is the, limit, the limitedness of the mother's womb into the world and the great possibilities that happen as that child grows, but even on kind of in that, the lives of the parents. When it is that child is born, the old kind of responsibilities, the old kind of things of life that we thought were important suddenly begin to change as now that child takes center focus. A new world. But even more than that, here is today John, who's born into the world. And as he's born into the world, it's more than just kind of a, an ordinary child. As everyone ponders, what is this child going to become? Zechariah knows exactly what this child is going to become. The end of the old spiritual world and the beginning of the new. As it is that we prepare now for Sobara, we prepare now for, for this coming of Jesus, we know exactly what John brings into the world. What it is that he prepares. 
And what he begins to prepare is the way of the Lord. What he begins to prepare is the way for Jesus. What he begins to really prepare his way for, as Zechariah knows all too well, is what the Jews have been waiting for for thousands of years, and that God himself will come down, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who is to free us from everything. From darkness, from sin, from trials. The one who is to save us, the one who is to give us knowledge, the one who is to give us the way of the peace of life. That is what John brings. This great message, this preparation, that our hearts need to be prepared for Jesus. In the same way today, as it is that we meditate upon this, especially in that beautiful, beautiful prayer of Zechariah, that here he is, he didn't believe in the promise of God from the day it is that this was announced to him in the temple, if you remember from the very beginning of Subara, to now he cannot speak. For nine months he could not speak because he did not believe God. And now it is the child is born, now it is that he names him John, now it is he's able to speak, and the first words out of his mouth are a blessing. A blessing. And he knows exactly what this child's going to become. I want us to focus on kind of the last, the last uh, kind of few phrases of, the last few sentences of, of Zechariah's blessing. Here it is, he knows what it is that John is going to bring, he knows what it is that he's going to prepare, and so Zechariah says this, And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Beautiful. The more we reflect on the birth of Jesus, the more it is that Christmas comes to us, the more it is we forget as to what it is the Christian life is all about, the more it is sometimes we even forget as to who Jesus is and what it is that he brings into the world. First, there's a preparation. In receiving Jesus, you have to prepare your heart. In receiving Jesus, we need to be able to make room for him, right? Here it is, we know the story of Christmas Day. We know what happens when it is that Mary and Joseph go and look through all the town to be able to find where it is that Jesus can be born, and there is no room for him. No one's prepared any room for him at all. He comes into the world in a place of darkness. He comes into the world where it's cold. He comes in a world that does not necessarily welcome him, but nonetheless, he looks for us. Our entire life is a preparation for Jesus. Our entire life is us preparing the way, and everything it is that happens in our life, all of our sufferings, all of our trials, if we just look at it as suffering and trials, we're going to be stuck in suffering and trials. But if instead, we look at these things that happen in our life, as blessings from God, we look at our greatest weaknesses and say, Lord Jesus, I know I am suffering, but I know that I can use this suffering for your greater good. And history has no shortage of examples for this. A famous writer in England, right? No, we'll know his name, but anyways, whatever it might be. He wanted to be a soldier, for example. Same Sir Walter, Jane, Walter Scott. And if he couldn't become one because he, got, he, became, he had an accident when he was a child, became lame in his legs, couldn't walk, but instead he became the, one of the world's greatest novelists, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was a soldier, and was going to be a great soldier at that, took a cannonball to the knee, and when it is that as he was recovering, he picked up the Bible, and after it is that he recovered, he started one of the greatest, one of the greatest movements in the Catholic Church. He started one of the greatest orders, the Jesuits, that still today go throughout all the world and baptized all these nations. All these things, all these people, they take their sufferings, whatever it might be, and again, you look at the lives of the saints, there's no shortage. 
They take their sufferings, they take their shortcomings, and they look at Christ suffering on the cross, and they say, that is my greatest sin. That is my greatest strength, and my Lord, I'm going to prepare my way for you. I'm going to prepare my way for whatever it is that happens in life, that everything that happens is glorifying your name. The second part that I want to focus on is the knowledge. The knowledge. Here is Jesus. We don't forget. Here is Jesus who was born on Christmas Day. And as it is that he's born on Christmas Day, the greatest thing that he gives us is knowledge. Knowledge of who God is. Knowledge of who God exactly is in our life, how he's working in our life, and how it is that we can walk with him. Now it is that we have this knowledge. We know that God is love. And for most people, during the time of Jesus, this is shocking. For the Greeks, they thought God was this person who sat on the throne is unmoved by anything that happens. He sees the suffering of people, but he could care less. He doesn't really care. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He's unmoved. He's up there. He's not changed. Nothing happens. Whatever it might be, you suffer. How much you suffer, you win. How much you win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't help us much. It's a God who doesn't know us. It's a God who is apart from us. It doesn't help us much at all. For the Jews... They believed at that time that God was legalistic. God was a God of the Torah. God was a God of judgment. Here is God who I now fear. I hold back in fear and I do everything out of fear for not offending. It doesn't help us much. And then here is Jesus who comes and tells us that God is like a father. That God loves us. And most people will say and marvel and cry in tears. I didn't know that God was like that. How beautiful that God is like a father, wants nothing more than the best for his children. The third part, and the last part, is the forgiveness of our sins. It's more than just a wiping out of, of one's consequence of sin, right? So whenever we go to confession, it's more than just a wiping out of consequence of our sins. It's not like that we can't really turn, the back, turn back on our sins. We can't really turn the clock, right? We can't go back and change things. And, you know, I really wish I hadn't done that. Whatever it might have been, I really wish that I would have known better. We can't change the consequence of sin. But what happens is when we are estranged from God, when it is that we walk away from God, now it is in the forgiveness of our sins are we able to restore our relationship with Him. And that is the greatest thing. That is the greatest. God never turns His back on us. It's us who turn our back on Him. And that is where God is telling us, come back. Walk in the way of peace. Walk in the way of light. Not in the way of darkness. You were dead to your sin, and now I found you. And now it is that I found you. You walk with me in the way of peace. My brothers and sisters, for us, I want us to notice in the life of John the Baptist, and this comes out again during Epiphany, when it is that Jesus is baptized, when it is that we read the other stories of John, where he says that Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We hear the stories of John. Notice John never brings the attention to himself, but always to Jesus. In our own life, as it is that we prepare for Christmas, we're going to encounter family members, we're going to encounter friends, Right, who might feel far from Jesus, who need the love of Jesus in their life, who need to know that God is a Father in their life, and everything we do must show them God the Father. Everything that we do must show them who Jesus is. Everything that we do does not show ourselves, but shows Jesus who is living within us. When it is that we approach these people, here is John who prepares the world for Jesus. Now our mission is to prepare the world for him as well. Not only for the world, we begin by evangelizing the world by just giving Jesus our heart and letting him work with that. 
First we evangelize our families, we evangelize our friends, and then we go out into the world, but it's only then that we share what it is that Jesus does for us that we're able to evangelize. We're able to give Jesus to others. That's what he's asking for. Give him the world by giving him your heart first. Give him your heart, and then you give him the world. Tell people about what he's done for you. Tell people about why it is that you come to church. Tell people about what it is that you receive each and every Sunday in the Holy Eucharist. You receive Jesus. And that is the greatest gift of all. You've made room for him. Now it is, give him your heart and show the world who Jesus is. Amen?